Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, welcome to the Transit Lounge and another episode. And this one I'm excited about sharing with you because it is an interview rather than just me rabbiting on about whatever I'm thinking about and talking about. And right when I started the podcast, I knew that I wanted to include interviews with people who had made significant career change because I wanted to be able to share other people's stories about how they created change in their work life in all the different ways that people can do that. Because I know that when you hear other people's stories, it can give you ideas about what's possible for you. And when I was thinking about people to interview, Joe Burgess, who the interview is with today, is one of the first people that came to my mind. I met her a couple of years ago. We were both part of a mastermind group. And a mastermind group is basically a small group generally of people working towards some sort of common goal. In our instance, it was women in business. And I met Jo and was just so impressed with her as a human being right from the get-go. She has achieved so many different things in a range of different areas. And I really was excited about sharing her story as part of this interview series because she's one of the examples of someone who has actively chosen to create a side gig situation. So she has work that she does that's, I guess, in the more traditional employee space. And she also has a business that she's been building on the side. And I think that is a really great way for women to transition from what they're doing now into what they might want to do longer term. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Jo and that listen out for some of the things that she is sharing to see what maybe you could apply in your situation. Let's hear that interview with Jo. Hello, Jo. Hi, Chandra. It is so exciting to be doing this chat with you. When I first started doing the podcast, I had the idea of doing some little series of interviews with different people and you were, I swear to God, one of the first names I wrote down. Oh, yay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm actually really excited that we finally get to do this podcast because I think that your story and your experience in your professional life and the transitions that you've made will be really interesting and provide some great little nuggets for people that perhaps are early in the process of considering some kind of change in their work life because I think you've done lots of really interesting things in quite unique ways and so I'm very excited to explore and share your story with everyone listening. Awesome. That sounds great. I think this is just such a fabulous topic to be talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Awesome. So to give people a little bit of context, a bit of an arc, starting maybe with telling where is it that you sort of started professionally? What, What did you used to do? Okay. Well, when I was 16, I started a hairdressing apprenticeship. So I was just a creative little soul that wanted to do things with my hands. And I knew that I just loved talking to people. So I sort of just fell into a hairdressing apprenticeship when I was 16. And I finished that before I was 20 because it's four-year apprenticeship. So at the age of 19, I was a fully qualified hairdresser working in salons, which I loved. And I felt extremely grown up (laughs) that I had done all of that by the time I was 19. I then only worked for two people. I'm a very loyal employee. I didn't jump and change around during that. I worked only for two salons. And then we uh, decided to travel. My boyfriend at the time and I, we packed up our bags and traveled the world as you do for 12 months and cutting hair in the beaches, et cetera, along the way to earn money. 
And then when I came back, so I was 21 when I got back from that trip, I went back to get a job at my last boss and he didn't really have anything for me. But he said, but since you've been away, I've actually bought this second salon and I'm not really enjoying it. And how about you buy the salon? So at the age of 21 with no money in the bank, I decided I was going to become a business owner. (laughs) And I literally... My dad helped me pull a deal together where we paid off the salon out of the takings that I made. So I was used to living on nothing because I'd been backpacking for 12 months. So I continued to live on nothing and paid off the salon. So that was just an incredible experience. And I learned how to run a business, how to employ a team and grow my salon. So after about 18 months of having my salon and a team of four, I was so, so busy and I was really very interested in in that point in marketing and I was doing a lot of marketing and reporting and things to try and grow my business manually. So I decided I needed a computer system <laughs> and I had knew nothing about computers, never, you know, never did them at school or anything like that, but I just knew I needed it. It was, you know, people saying this is what you need. So I did a bit of research and found the best computer system that I could find for hairdressing salons. And my dad had introduced me to a guy that he had met that had just finished university and he had done a degree in programming in software. And dad said, oh, you should take this guy along and, you know, he can go to the demos and help you with this computer system that you want to get for your hairdressing salon. So to cut a long story short, we did that and we could, he just couldn't believe that there was nothing in the market that was very good. It was when Windows had just come out in 1993. <laughs> so he decided that he would write me something for my salon. And so just quite by accident, I became a creator of software for a hairdressing salon. So there was, there was two, he had a friend from university and myself and the three of us sort of set to work designing a software package for hairdressing salons, which is now sold all over the world, 45 countries, and we have 15,000 customers. So I, there was a point during that process of me thinking I was getting sort of custom-built software for my salon (laughs) that I decided this was actually quite could be business and I could leave hairdressing and I could, you know, and do this. And so a day came where they literally said, we really need you in the business. So what do you think? And I thought, well, I know how to be a hairdresser. I know how to grow a salon. At that point, I actually had two. So by the time I was 23, I had two salons. I bought a second salon in the midst of all of this. And I decided to to sell them both and go into the software business with these two amazing, you know, technical entrepreneurs. And that was 25 years ago. So yeah, Shortcuts is, which is the software is now 25 years old this year. Wow. And so in terms of the software, and I know that it is, you know, sometimes tricky to look back when when we're faced with what's available now, technology wise, what was it that, what is it that the software actually does? Um, Well, it's a full salon management solution. So it runs everything from the appointment book to the point of sale to client management to now online booking, automated email marketing, reporting, stock control. It was a full management solution. So we literally took the manual processes that most people were using in their salons and made them digital. And that enabled me to market to my customers via, it wasn't email at that point, it was direct mail. I used to do the mail merge and send them letters and also reporting and setting targets and goals for my team. And it just gave me that next level understanding of what it took to grow a business. And I just got, I just fell in love with technology and computers and the power of what you could do with information. So I was just drawn to it. I don't know how it just happened. It's so interesting to me because when you were talking earlier about being someone who's very creative and you, you know, wanted to do something with your hands and that's what led you Mm -hmm. into hairdressing to then create a transition in deep into the world of technology Mm. in in some ways I guess I can look at that and think wow that's they're so different but I guess what it seems like to me is that you were a hairdresser and a business owner that's that needed information 
and there wasn't anything available that you know gave you or suited what you needed so you had the fortune of being introduced to the right person at the right time mm-hmm. who was then able to help you design something that solved that problem for you and what can often happen when you know people do that is that well if I'm having this problem then you know there's probably lots of other people that have salons that would benefit from this solution as well but it's an interesting kind of transition from you know that that creative hands-on space into technology a hundred percent I think everybody thought I was crazy that (laughs) you know because it really was and when I sold the salons and said goodbye to my teams and went to sit in an office with a bunch of nerds <laughs> in the <laughs> nicest possible way I it was a it was a very hard transition I was used to standing up and talking all day yeah and I was sitting down all day and nobody talked to me because they were just punching away at their keyboards yeah. and you know the other thing that I really noticed the biggest difference was when you're developing software it's never, ever, ever finished. And when you are a hairdresser, you accomplish and finish so many things in a day. You do a client, you finish, they pay, they look amazing, they leave. You do another one, they look amazing, they pay, they leave. At the end of the day, you cash up the till, you know, you lock the doors, you sweep the floors, you go home, your day is done. There's, there's, you know, there's, you've got to do book work at home and stuff, but there's a real sense of accomplishment being a hairdresser. And the biggest thing I struggled with when I moved into the other tech world was it's never finished it's never finished there's always problems so that was a big thing that I learned and it took me a good couple of years I think to really learn how to not stress about the fact that it's not finished because it's just how it is (laughs) yeah so interesting because that that's a very different kind of working rhythm and uh, I guess when I apply it to my situation I worked in radio for so long and you know now even you know there's a lot of what I do that's service-based business and so there's not tangible things generally that I could look at and go oh yes that's that's a finished thing or a completed Mm. thing it's a very much like in radio it's like it's air it's yes (laughs) and and once it's done it's gone so it's a very different kind of environment compared to something like hairdressing where you're getting feedback in real time and there's all these mini projects that you're seeing get completed literally right in front of your eyes and then it's done and you're on to the next thing yeah 100% when we notice those things and so then so then you're you're now um the technical well technology driven person (laughs) and then what happened well then I had children so got married in amongst all of this and had children so at that time I dropped back to just working part-time so three days a week Mm -hmm. and I never went back my children are now 17 and 19 I never went back to full-time work at Shortcut so I was I you know I still play I'm still there three days a week and I play a visionary role on the product development and the future of the company in three days a week but the rest of the week I was being a mum and then my children got old enough and they didn't need me as much and I thought do I want to go back and just do that I loved it still loved it did I want to do it five days and I found that I had the entrepreneurial drive in me wanted to start something else. Uh-huh. <laughs> and But I didn't want to let go of shortcuts either because I love it. And so a friend and I, you know, we started a distribution company in the hairdressing space because I love my industry, I love my people, and we started importing and selling eco-friendly products to the hairdressing industry. So we had a distribution company and I only worked in that business one or two days a week and we had a, I had a business partner who worked full time and we built up a team and we had a warehouse and all the rest of it and I loved that. I got to create something brand new. It was my first taste into e-commerce and distribution and really, really loved it and we did that for six years. So I did six years of the distribution company and also shortcuts and then we sold that distribution company back to one of the products the original product that we bought into Australia that company bought us back because we actually went into partnership which was really really good so they bought the company back and then I went okay I had a little break for a while I renovated my house because (laughs) I have to create something yes and then 
I got a burning idea in 2011 that didn't go away, which has turned into Life Sorted, which is, finds me where I am now. Wow. And I can't wait to sort of get into the that evolution from burning idea into what it is now. But I just want to check in with you about, you know, these that decision that you made to, I guess, have two channels, if you like. So you mm-hmm. kept working the three days a week for shortcuts, but then mm-hmm. starting the, the new thing with the new distribution. What mm-hmm. do you think it was that made you make that decision instead of, because some people would look at it and go, well, wouldn't it have just been easier and simpler mm. to just go, well, you know, just increase your days at shortcuts? 100%, a lot less risky. Yes. <laughs> a lot, you know, and a lot less work, to be honest. We all know what it's like when you're an entrepreneur. It's, you know, it's 24-7 sometimes. Yeah. I just, um, well, first of all, I found, I, I came across a product. It was actually in the UK. It's an Irish product. I came across a product that just, it just blew my mind. I just knew it was something really, really special. I had never seen anything like it in Australia. It was an eco-friendly hairdressing towel. And we were right in the midst of the biggest drought here Mm -hmm. happening in Australia. And I thought, this is just amazing. Whether Whether it was me or somebody else, we had to get this to Australia because we had to, it would solve a lot of the big water problems that were happening in salons. I mean, they're just flushing water down basins all day long and and, and in washing machines. So it was just, it was a problem. It was the ability to solve a problem in a unique way that I'd never seen before. That I was like, I just got to find a way to do this. I, I, don't, I don't know any other way to describe it apart from that. Yeah. And then I found someone who wanted to do was do it with me. I'm, I've always had great, you know, business partners or co-founders and that helps because I think if it was just me, I would have had to have made the decision to do it 100% myself. But I had a partner who could take, who could do the sales part of the business, which I'm not that strong at. I'm stronger at the systems and the marketing and and the logistics and making things happen. But I need a, you know, sometimes we need a front person to go out there and sell the product. So I had a just came across again the right person, the right product, and just a burning desire to make it happen. Yeah. I so want to dig into that about the support and the partnerships, but we might Mm -hmm. wait till we get through to where you're at now. Mm -hmm. So then you've built up this distribution business. It's become successful and you've been bought out and Mm -hmm. you're you're immersing your creative energy into renovating your house. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and then what happened? You, You mentioned that you had a burning idea that wouldn't go away. Yes, I did. In 2011, I was a particularly busy time. So it was a really busy time in my life where I was juggling a couple of different passions for work, very, very busy children. So late primary school, early high school, loads of activities, two different boy and a girl, different schools, a husband with all of his hobbies and careers and, and work. And life just got next level crazy that I you know, it was becoming out of control and I was trying to manage all of the schedule and I was finding that it was all landing on me. And I thought, well, I'm a technology lover. I'm going to go find a, an app that's, that I can put my life in that the whole family can use. Because at that point, my kids had devices and we were t- we, there was a, a gazillion texts backwards and forwards every day just with the logistics of where everybody had to be and what they needed, etc. So I went looking for a solution. I tried a lot of my own. I went looking for a solution and I just could not find one. So I wrote down what I called it, the perfect solution. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper or typed it down and, you know, printed it out, put it on my desk and it sat there for the longest time. And I kept trying different solutions and then solved part of it and a bit of it. And and I kept thinking, nobody's done this. Nobody's done this in a way that's really, really easy, that looks beautiful and, you know, solves all the problems that I have. So it wasn't, it was 2014. So three years that idea just honestly, it burned away at me. It just would not go away to the point where I thought I have to do this, whether it succeeds or fails, it is irrelevant. Just have to give it a go because this idea is not going away. It's been here for three years, so we've got to do it. (laughs) So again, I told a very dear friend of mine, one of the smartest, cleverest developer tech friends who actually previously worked for us at at Shortcuts for 10 years about my idea for a shared family organiser app called Life Sorted. And he instantly went, I need it. I want it. I can create that. It's amazing. And I thought, 
awesome. I found my business partner because obviously I couldn't do the developing. So I could, you know, the the thoughts that came up for me throughout the three years was how do I do this? I've mm-hmm. got to find somebody, you know, as good as what it was when we started Shortcuts 25 years ago who understands the vision, who's got skin in the game, I, you know, or I could outsource it. And then I just thought that's just so risky. They're not going to lo- – I needed somebody to love it yeah. <laughs> as much as me <clears throat> and Vince, my business partner, does and did from day one. And so – we decided to do it. Yeah. Amazing. And it's so, what I think is really great is that that, you know, the burning idea presented itself to you and you took some action of really kind of getting out of your head all of the the thoughts and ideas of what would make it perfect. Yep. But then it just sort of sat there. And Mm -hmm. I think for some people they could make that mean that it's just an idea and I haven't done anything with it for three years, so mm. just let it go. But mm. for you, it was, no, It's it's been around for three years. That means I really have to do it. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that's an interesting one because I think sometimes people will perhaps, you know, be working and they might have an idea in a similar sort of way. There's something either they've experienced in their own life that's a problem or an issue that they have a solution for or uh, is how they handle it and they've had the idea of, oh, maybe this could be a business or it could be a product that I could create but they haven't made any steps yet to progress with it and so it just sort of stays on the back burner. And so I'm hoping that if there's anyone listening that that's true for them, that this does give them a bit of an idea of, well, actually it doesn't matter how long. If it's still sitting around in some form, it's written on a sticket note, it's wherever – there's it, there's still legs there and then it just becomes what, uh, answering the question of how could you just get started? Absolutely. And do you know what, Chandra, I began to notice the universe presented me with so many signs. Mm-hmm. I every day heard stories of people going, oh, my gosh, I forgot it's book week. Oh my gosh, you know, I've got to, I've got to go. I'm running late to pick someone up or mm-hmm. how do you juggle all the things? And I, there was just constant, I was hearing it with people, you know, at school drop off and pick up. I was hearing it at dinner parties. I was hearing that everybody had these same problems yeah. <laughs> that I had and nobody was talking about a solution. It was just like, life is just crazy and busy. And I'm, you know, worried about forgetting things and I'm sick of having to nag everybody. And why won't my husband <laughs> pick up the slack and do some things? And it's literally because they don't know. We as, you know, particularly the, probably the type of listeners that you've got, Chandra, we, you know, we make things happen, people, and therefore the people around us let us do that. Yes. <laughs> and therefore we take even more on and we expect even more of ourselves and we, we say yes to everything and we feel obliged to do it all and have it all. And so we try. Yes. And I was noticing that Everybody was in that situation and I have found that since we've launched Life Sorted, a lot of our customers are busy mum, entrepreneurs, juggling all the things. Yeah. And it's just so, – so the universe was constantly tapping me and saying, it's still a problem, yep. it's still a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that what's great about that is that, you know, it means that you were tuned in to notice that because I think sometimes we can get so busy – that we're just in the churn and not paying attention to the signs Mm. that are there. So I think that's, I guess that might be a bit woo-woo for some people, but for me that's a bit of a takeout that I have for that, that, you know, you were noticing. Because we do, you know, have an element of filtering in some information and just not noticing other information. So I think the fact that you had these little droplets continually coming in kept probably that burning idea still burning. So you yep. worked with Vince and mm-hmm. started to develop. And so now the app is live, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We thought it would take us six months and it took us over two years yeah. to create. So how did <laughs> you cope think. through that time? Because that's another thing that I think that for some people they look at that and go, kind of go, oh, you know, this is a, a failure or it's never going to work or whatever, story, story, story. But when you're expecting yes. six months and it's dragging out, it's 12 months, it's 18 months. What's yes. going on for you and for Vince that kept you going? Well, I always had, I got to the point and probably because this was my third time doing something new, I got to the point where if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'm okay with that. I decided how much money I was going to invest in it and how much time. And if it didn't work, I was still going to be happy because 
I had to do it. And I kept reminding Vince of that. I'm like, it's okay. It doesn't matter how long it takes. We need to enjoy the process. What we are creating is something amazing. We were using it ourselves. It just took a leap of, you know, getting it packaged up and available on the app store was kind of the hardest part. It's like, you know, you run the marathon and the last 200 meters is is the hardest. So <laughs> we got quite, we got quite far quite quickly. And we're both very positive, optimistic people. Mm-hmm. So every time we would get together and we'd go, oh, we're nearly there, we're nearly there. We, ne- we weren't really nearly there, but we kept <laughs> thinking we were nearly there and this was great. And when you do see something come to life, you just become part of it. And I just made sure, I just said to Vince, we're not going to kill ourselves over this because it might not work. And we need to enjoy the process, the creative process along the way. Mm-hmm. And so we just kept reminding each other, that that was okay and it would take as long as it took and it didn't matter because we both were doing something else. I was still working three days a week at Shortcuts, which I love, and that's just been – I've been very grateful and lucky to be able to have the type of position I have at a senior level three days a week and an amazing team, and I enjoyed it. And, the, and I know that, yes, I could be working – five days a week and there's another two days worth of salary that is, I guess, opportunity lost for me for two or three, you know, now we're up to three years. But I decided that that was the investment that I was going to make in my own personal growth more than even the business. Yeah. That okay. Sense. Great. Yeah. So a couple of things I'd love to explore one of which that you mentioned earlier, which is about that you said that you in, in all of the different ventures that you have gone into you have always had great business partners or Mm -hmm. Mm co-founders what do you put that down to how have you made that happen I don't that's a really great question Vince was easy because I'd known him for 10 years and I you know I knew that if I could pick any anybody to develop it a piece and, and knowing you know what his work is like if I could pick anybody to develop it that was easy mm-hmm. in the you know and I guess probably same with the distribution company my business partner Gavin and I had worked together and I'd known so there was a, a good level of trust I didn't go in blind really with anybody apart from shortcuts in the early days I didn't know those guys but I, there wasn't much at risk when you're at that age mm-hmm. so yeah I, it's a really great question that I'm not sure I have a good answer for <laughs> That's okay, but I think trust. it's interesting. Yeah, I think trust sounds like a theme from that and, you know, potentially partly that has come from past work experience with that mm-hmm. person, so they were mm-hmm. a bit more of a known entity. Yeah. But something else that occurs to me, which might be another one of those questions that you think, oh, I don't know. But so you had the burning idea for Life Sorted and it sat there printed out for all those mm-hmm. years, but you knew Vince through all that time. Mm. Was there anything that you think had to happen or time to pass or something before you finally had the conversation with him or or what was the delay around that, do you think? Yeah, I, look, I did. I told a lot of people about my idea along the way, right from 2011, and I'm sure I had a couple of conversations with Vince, but it wasn't quite the right time for him, mm-hmm. I feel, which is mm-hmm. why it was kind of like, and he was, and he would say it was, you know, oh, that's a great idea. And I can see that. And then his children are a bit younger than mine. So another year or two down the track, he really was really feeling and seeing it. And I guess maybe the universe was giving him the same nudges that it just then (laughs) became the right time. Yes. So his life needed to get to the next level crazy that yours was to, for him to really see the power of this idea. Yes, maybe. And I wasn't push, I wasn't actively seeking to find anybody to do it yet either. So mm-hmm. we were both sort of, I guess, dancing with the idea. And I'd spoken to a couple of other, tech, you know, people that I knew and a couple of people went, yeah, no, I can't really see that. That just sounds like Google Calendar, you know, and yeah. they were not the right person for me. But I just, I had a lot of conversations. You know me, I talk a lot. And any opportunity I had to get feedback on the idea or talk to someone who I thought I had that conversation and then it either leads somewhere or it doesn't. Yeah. And I think it was just the right time for Vince and I to start it together. We were ready. Yeah. Mm. Nice. And so another thing, and I'm, I'm trying to think through the lens of, of the, the clients that I work with or the people that are in my community, the sort of questions and challenges that often they will bring up that potentially will hold them back from making a move of some sort to do either some 
different kind of work or something that is developing their own idea. And one of the things that very often comes up for people is about money Mm -hmm. and especially the go-getter, get-things-done type of people Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're good at what they do. They've probably been doing it for quite a while. They, they're earning a decent salary. And so it becomes very easy for people to say, oh, look, you know, I would go and do X, Y, and Z, but I won't be able to, to earn the same amount of salary as I'm earning now. So I just won't do it. Mm. What thoughts have you got around that? And what, if any part, did money play in your decisions with the various transitions that you went through? Well, the first one, so from selling my two salons to going and working for shortcuts as an employee, as part of a co-founder, but I was basically going to a salary to to fulfill a role as part of that business and its growth. Yeah. I, I had assets in the salon, so I was able to sell them and yep. get some cash and pop that away. And I knew that if it didn't work, I could go back to that. We ended up putting it into a house and various different things, but I knew that I'd, the businesses that I'd had had already created some kind of wealth for me. That Mm -hmm. was a backup. I knew I can go back and do that and that would be okay. And I was young. I was 23. So then dropping back to part-time when I had my children, you take a salary hit at that point Mm. and my life adjusted to meet that salary. And then I didn't want to go back to it full-time. I wasn't driven by money to fill that gap. I was driven by the need to create something new. So I guess I just, I never, I didn't have a burning desire for more and more money ever. Mm. So I kind of just stayed at that level and I knew that, okay, that I could spend my free time on my personal development and creating something that I like. And then, so we grew the distribution company and then that created, that was something we could sell. We had some money yeah. and then I was still used to only having, I, you know, I did drop back in salary from that because I was getting paid from the distribution company and I was getting paid from shortcuts, both salaries. And then we sold the business and I got some, some money for that. But then I decided that I wouldn't fill the gap. I could have easily gone back to, you know, and said to Shortcuts, I'd love to come back and work five days a week and fill that space. But I knew I needed to space. I needed the space to do whatever was next. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's really what it is. And it's the same right now with, you know, life sort of, I mean, we're still in our early days and we're not making any money yet, but I'm comfortable that shortcuts can support and I can live within my means within those three days. And I never, this is something that I decided a couple of years ago, I didn't ever want, I don't ever want Life Sorted to become my full-time thing. Even when I decide to step away from shortcuts at some point in the future, I hope that Life Sorted is a sustainable business that I can still spend two or maybe three days if I want to on. So I'm good at building a team and bringing people around to help fulfill the vision I have for a business. It doesn't have to be me all the time. So I think if I look into my future, how I would love it to be is that the amount of time and energy that I spend on Life Sorted continues at what it is now, a couple of days a week. Yeah. And I've then and and it's earning enough for me to step back from shortcuts and then see what that space fills next. I don't know. Yeah. And it's such a good point because I think sometimes we can get a bit of tunnel vision about what working looks like and Mm. the assumption of, oh, okay, well, I'm going to create this new thing and then I'm just going to invest and recreate essentially a full-time job over Mm. there. But I think it's really worthwhile for people to be willing to step back and to consider a little bit like you did with designing Life Sorted, your early ideas of it, of for my work life to be perfect for me, what does it look like? Mm. And that might shift that at certain times I know in, in my life that, you know, working full time, you know, that's the thing and I love that. But then there's there's other times where and what I know future state is there's an aspiration that's not necessarily just plugging here's my full time Monday to Friday gig and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's especially now where people, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the gig economy and how the world is shifting and that there are a lot more people doing either 
contract-based work or they're having multiple roles with different organisations or that whole rise of the freelance, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to continue to shift, I believe, and that also requires us, uh, every individual, to be thinking about, well, how do I like to work? to fit in with my life and, uh, you know, whether there's kids involved and they're at different ages and therefore the level of care and attention and time from you is higher or Mm -hmm. then gets lower. I think for people to be willing to be a little bit more creative about what work life looks like. Oh, that's, yeah, such a great, such a great outlook and a great perspective because I see a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, working the full-time corporate job and hating it and then almost working a full-time job on their side hustle trying to build up the revenue and the income that's enough to quit the corporate job and I don't know that that is possible so how could you think about your building up your side hustle that you love that it doesn't require full-time if you want to when you you know when you do eventually leave your corporate job if that's if you're if you're unhappy there I was never I've never been unhappy at shortcuts so that's I guess why I've been in lucky but I know a lot of people are and taking that massive leap and and especially being the fear of not having enough money I think can keep some people stuck that they never actually achieve what they want which is to leave the corporate job and do their own thing because it's just too big yeah and that's where I know I I heard that a lot when I left my last corporate job. There was I left because of health reasons, mm. amongst other things. But I had a lot of people say to me, "Oh, you know, I wish I could leave and do my own thing, and I would do that." But you know, I I, I can't afford or whatever mm. the language is around mm-hmm. money. And so I think for me, I found that really sad because. I know how I felt when I was in a role that was not serving me anymore, Mm. was not allowing me to add my highest value or play to my strengths and I couldn't imagine just forcing myself for longer than I had already forced myself Mm. to just continue with that reality and I think that's why I'm very passionate about doing what I do because you experienced it. Yes, have been there and so I want to be able to support as many people as possible to start to transition in whatever way works for them. For some people it's going to be rip it off like a Band-Aid and I'm putting that and I'm doing something new. For others it will be the start will be a side gig and then a, a gradual transition and for others it might be actually I love, I guess similar to what you're you're doing at the moment, having a sense of consistency and regularity of having a role where I interact with team and I have a salary coming in to a certain level and then I have time that I choose to invest in whatever my other creative mm-hmm. project is or product or service or business, whatever their other passion is, and they have a beautiful coexistence. Yep. And I think that's, you know, I just want people to be considering what could that look like for me rather than staying in the rut of doing something just because it's the it's a known path absolutely and maybe there is an opportunity for people to drop back a bit instead of working five days work four Mm -hmm. and you know then spend you know a day or a day and a half on your side hustle to see how it goes yeah and that's a big thing I think that you know in fact podcast episode I did just recently was talking about how you know if people have got this aspiration a a trap that I have seen people fall into a lot is that they tell themselves okay I'm gonna keep doing this job for another six months or 12 Mm. months and then I'll finish that job and then I'll start my new business Mm. and for me I'm like no 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 don't do Mm. that start doing something now because things always take longer than you think they're going to would (laughs) you agree a hundred percent yeah it's it's like I don't know why but it just and it's frustrating so if you're thinking about doing that then asking yourself what are the things that I could do either in the evening or on the weekend or just carving out some incremental time to you know put the toe in the water and to start having conversations or to be registering a domain name and working Mm -hmm. on whatever the the small steps are because things will take longer and there's nothing worse than sort of coming to an end of a full-time role for example and then just starting from I guess a cold 
Mm, uh, and and so, feeling the pressure of all of that. Everything, yeah. yeah so Whereas you better just enjoy the journey slowly, tinker away at it until it feels right. Yes, because the thing that things will shift, mm-hmm. you know, that what you think right from the beginning, you know, is probably there's elements of it that are going to be true, but it's not until you actually get started that you'll refine your message, you'll refine who it is that you're working with and what it is they really want and, you know, that's where I think that whole mantra of clarity comes from action. It doesn't come from you just, you know, stewing in your juices, constantly imagining something. At some point you have to take some steps. You have to start talking to people about this idea to see if it's got legs and to refine it. Yep. Yeah. 100%. I agree with that 100%. So what about how did other people in your life handle it or respond to it when you were making these decisions to, you know, significantly change what what you were doing to start to do something else, especially creating things from scratch? I've always my family's always backed me 100%. They're like I'm the I'm the ideas person in the family and you know, they're like, "Okay, that sounds good." <laughs> so, <laughs> I now? always felt okay. I always felt very supported by my family and very encouraged by my friends and my co-workers at Shortcuts. You know, my team there are just amazing and always cheering on the sidelines for Life Sorted as well. So I've always been 100% transparent. I've never hidden anything that I'm doing from something else that I'm doing. And one thing that I will point out that that is a skill that I learned along the way was to be able to compartmentalize the various different things. So there's a lot of things going on with shortcuts, a lot of big things. It's very important when I'm there, I'm 100% there and focused on what needs to happen. And vice versa. When I'm at home working on Life Sorted, I'm 100% there. It's very difficult to try and I've never been one to sort of try and sneak in a bit of my side hustle whilst I'm working Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my corporate job. I think that that is a bit of a recipe for disaster really and you've got to put some boundaries around what you're going to be able to do realistically. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess partly that sounds to me like, you know, a couple of things one is it's about personal and professional integrity that if you're on somebody else's clock then are you you know bringing your best game Mm -hmm. to that time and also from a headspace and a focus perspective trying to sort of dabble between you know two very different worlds is you know you're going to be most likely to be ineffective as well A hundred percent. Yeah. And luckily for me, currently at the moment, Shortcuts and Life Sorted are both tech solutions. We're we're both the same sort of thing, solving a problem, but for a completely different audience. So I see so many advantages for me and for the other business by what I'm doing in the other one. So there's a lot of things that I'll do in Life Sorted or I'll see as part of, you know, the coaching that I'm having around building that business that I can apply at Shortcuts and vice versa. There'll be mm. things that we do at Shortcuts. I think, oh, that's, you know, really, really great. I could apply that to Life Sorted. So that's been, I've been really lucky with my current situation right now is that they're quite complementary, but I do try to keep them compartmentalized. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so what about um, when you think about your work life now in all of its components, mm-hmm. what do you think is most meaningful for you about what you do for work now? The most meaningful for me is when I get messages and DMs every day from people that are using Life Sorted telling me how much it is changing their lives and they are feeling a lot less stressed and more in control. And, you know, when people message me and go, oh my gosh, Joe, you know, my husband just picked up something from the shops and I didn't have to ask him, your app is just life changing. It's the simplest little things like that, that just drive me that I'm just so happy and excited to be able to influence positively the lives of busy families with life sorted. So that's what drives me at the moment. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That makes me get all goosebumpy. Because I think it it is sometimes we forget like, and it can be maybe dazzling for people to think oh yes you know I've developed an app and it's all this world of technology but at the end of the day any technology is really designed to be helping human beings be more either confident to achieve something better or faster or to connect 
And mm-hmm. so I think that that's what, you know, that little takeout brings up for me that, you know, when you get messages of your members that mm-hmm. are actually getting the benefit that you first imagined all those years ago and mm-hmm. that is, it's the smallest things in some respect but that's the big stuff mm-hmm. because it allows them to connect as a family and then they're not going to be stressing and you know all of the things that happen when you know life is in that crazy and people aren't able to be fully present with each other and they're always scrambling so I think that's where an app like Life Sorted actually there's the functional element of it but there's so much more what I imagine is the emotional impact of it as well yep yeah, it really is. That's my the, my biggest joy is, and because people can actually chat live to me from within the app, and you know when people sign up and just say, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! I found this," and we can, and I go back and say, "Oh, I'm so glad you found me too," and we can have a chat. Just that little interaction. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm not sure if I'm able to sustain it as we grow, but right now, as um, you know, we're getting ready to launch overseas, and even when somebody gives me some feedback about you know, something that they wish it would do. I take, we take all of that on board. I'm just soaking up all of the communications and the conversations I have with people using the app to make it better and better. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Which, which does lead me to where to next. So you've just had a, a significant milestone with the app. Yes, we yes, we have. Thank you. We've just hit 10,000 downloads. It was a couple of weeks ago now, so I haven't actually Yay. looked. It's probably, yeah. So that's pretty impressive when you, stop for a minute and because you're in the middle of it in the middle of it and then all of a sudden you go oh wow 10,000 people try and imagine what that would look like it's quite a lot of people yes so yes we're very we're taking a minute to sort of celebrate that milestone and the next one is making the app available in UK US Canada South Africa yeah, in the next couple of months. So we're working really hard on that and a lot of new features. And, you know, like I said, it's never finished, (laughs) you know, and we've, you know, every week we're launching new little features and yeah, it's just, just great. So just really enjoying the journey and looking forward to seeing what um, Life Sorter can do in other countries, because it's really only played here in Australia and New Zealand so far. So So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll be excited to to watch that progress and let people I know that are in those other countries when it's happening. So one thing I'd love for you, might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but if you were to give some advice to either your younger self Mm -hmm. or to someone who's listening who maybe has an idea of something that they might want to do next, what sort of advice do you think would help them? Well, I tell my daughter, my daughter is in that situation because she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I've read the book um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and it really, really resonated with me. And a particular part in the book where she talks about uh, ideas being like hummingbirds (laughs) and not, and what you want to do with your life is, is like a hummingbird. So a lot of people are uncomfortable or stressed or I don't know what the word is when they don't know what their purpose is in life and she has a really great way of explaining in the book where it doesn't matter that you don't know what your purpose is you just need to know what the next thing is that you're interested in and like a hummingbird you can go and hang around that plant for a little while or those flowers and see whether it is attractive to you and it keeps you there or you move on to the next patch of flowers or the next bush of trees and see what that one's like and you might come back to that original one again so that's one thing that I tell my daughter is she doesn't know what she wants to do in life I'd say just find something that you're interested in slightly and dance with it for a while and then see if something else pops up in your side vision that interests you and go dance with that for a while and then think do I want to go back to that first thing or am I liking the direction that this is taking me? So life, you know, if you think of ourselves as like a hummingbird, there's not a straight line, there's not a a definite path. And I don't think a lot of people know their true purpose in life. And I don't, and I think that that even changes. So that's just my perspective. Yeah, I love it. And and I agree. And and obviously with with, uh, the coaching work that I do, I've hear that a lot from people saying you know I'm struggling to find my purpose and if I think back that even when I was in radio and I knew I wanted to leave that but didn't have a clue what I wanted to do next I think 
I remember that feeling of like, you know, what is my purpose? And we do, we can sort of set ourselves up for that feeling of like, until I know what the the one thing mm. is that I'm here meant to be doing, I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to make a mistake. Mm. Especially women, I think, tend to uh, hold back and put a lot of pressure on ourselves to find the one right thing. Mm. Whereas I heard a, I guess it's a definition of purpose from one of my very early coaches and mentors, a guy called Joe Parne, and he talks about that your purpose, you have one true purpose in life, your purpose is to be the best version of you mm. and that there's going to be channels and vehicles that we use to express who we are that will change over time. But if you just have as the one benchmark, I guess, of how am I showing up? How am I adding value? How am I, what kind of person am I being? And, you know, that then is the measure of have I, am I on purpose or not? So I think that broader interpretation I find is more useful than saying, oh, you're meant to be a bus driver or, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I really love that. That's great. Yes. Yep. So, Joe, I'm mindful of time, but I want you to share for people that want to find out more about you and about Life Sorted so they can check it out and have access to this amazing world of organization and flow particularly for busy families how do people connect with you and how do they find out more where do they get awesome. the app oh thank you well lifesorted.com is our website so you can sign up for the app there you'll find it if you search in any of the app stores as well for life sorted and at life sorted on instagram i love chatting on instagram <laughs> so if you want to see me there um yeah connect via instagram fantastic and i have to admit you know you are extremely active and the community is very active on life sort of with, with people posting either messages about you know a new function that they've discovered in the app or mm-hmm. you know something that how they've been impacted with something that they normally forget that they have got the the app has just saved them it's mm. a very positive kind of community there as well so it is we yeah we do well we do have a facebook group with users um which is growing and yeah they they're you know often they'll pop in a, oh how do you do this and someone else will jump in and answer it and it's, it's a real sense of community or i've got this same problem and here's how i use the app for that problem and i love it just love that yeah so good joe thank you so much for taking your time to chat today it's been so good i'm sure we could talk for hours uh, (laughs) if we let ourselves but thank you so much and i know that some of the insights from your journey will be useful for people that are listening and wondering about what's maybe next for them so thank you for sharing your insights and your story Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. And if it helps somebody else, then that's fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, Do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.